Craft Beer Radio, episode 107, March 10th, 2008. Show dedicated to craft beer and the craft brewing industry. I'm Greg Weiss. And I'm Proud Papa. Nah, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> and today we're going to be doing triples, uh, American triples. Yeah, yep. They're, they're all American. American-made triples. So. so, well, let's get started. Well, we should mention that the show, yes, was recorded on March 10th. No guarantees on the delivery date. Right. We're going to actually talk about that in the post-show, but whether we want to change that option are we going to keep talking about the day because we usually get the show out at least a week after we actually talk about the day but then again what it does help is somebody who comes in later and wants to know when we did the show mm-hmm. so well we'll talk about that more anyway this is brother david's triple from anderson valley it's 10 percent alcohol by volume and so you, we get the pour which comes out this yellowish straw color Maybe a little bit on the darker side, maybe towards an orange. Yeah, a gold, perhaps. That's a little more orange than gold. Yeah, it looks straw for some reason coming out of the bottle, but now that I see it, yeah, it's much more orange than gold. With a big uh, big multi-presence right up there with a healthy dose of alcohol. Mm-hmm. The aroma. Not a lot of head here. We're drinking these in goblets, by the way. First, you know, I'm trying to think, okay, what can I say about the aroma? I'm getting something like, um, like dried pineapples. Hmm. Like, sugar, you know, dried sugared pineapples. I can see where that's coming from. I think that uh, maybe along the lines of any real dried fruit, any, mm-hmm. any of those dried, like, dried mangoes or something Dried like light that. fruit instead of dried dark fruit. Right, you know, yeah. We always use dark fruit. We use that. We overuse that descriptor for any dark beer, really. Um, and this is more like... Uh, yeah, like I said, mangoes or pineapple or something like that, like a dried tropical fruit. And I think it has to do with basically those are covered with powdered sugar too, and I think a lot of that glucose mm. aroma is coming through. Yeah, it could be. It doesn't pour with a very big head. And it's not a lot of carbonation in it, mm-hmm. but mm, that's tasty because it's got sort of a caramel up front and then the back. You start no, to get some of that sweetness. Ooh, here's the wax that's fun to tear. Oh, <laughs> Some listeners will remember that uh, I'm a bit obsessive-compulsive and ripping up little piles of wax, it seems. And so now he gives me the wax, and now I'll just be obsessive-compulsive about it. It is fun to at least hold in your hand, but that's the nice part about the the Brother Davis triple from Anderson Valley. It does come on a wax cover, so it's not going to get oxidized. Or it's, very, it's harder for it to get oxidized, which is right. Yeah, you won't have any oxygen leaking through the seal in the cap. It'll um, stay better. So Greg was looking at the label before we started the show, and we just have to mention, they have this little spiel on the back, and at the very bottom it says, You are worthy. <laughs> Which uh, we thought was interesting, because you know the whole stone-brewing arrogant bastard is, you're not worthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, this I'm going to read this little this little thing they have here, because I think it's... You might, you might say that I'm being kind of hypocritical, because I always talk about marketing speak, but I kind of like this, just because it, it's... It doesn't really say this beer is awesome and incredible. It just says it's kind of flowery and poet poetic in a way. 
Brother David's triple abbey style ale, the brewers of Anderson Valley had to conjure the high priestess of fermentation to help them formulate and create this rare handcrafted elixir. It is... It's spelled elixir wrong, by the way. It is it is luxuriant, smooth, more than a little wild, and at 10% alcohol, it's bound to raise your spirits. Open a bottle and greet the high priestess. You are worthy. I... See, I kind of think there's too much flowery language too much, in there. Maybe the luxuriant part of it could be taken out there. Uh, if you talk about like what the brewers wanted to accomplish and, and you know their feel, but when you start describing the beer as luxuriant and things I, like that... I, that's I didn't where, see that the first time when I ran through it. But uh, I do see they misspelled elixir on there. But what are you going to do? <laughs> <laughs> uh, they say it contains malted barley, hops, water... I'm sure. Uh, I guess that's a D. Demerara sugar and a special Trappist yeast. Cool. Uh, I want to thank everybody who has emailed or posted a comment congratulating me on Heather, me and Heather, on on baby. I'm shocked that so many people have taken the time <laughs> to send me messages. It's just a lot of people. So I thank you. We really appreciate it. This isn't going to become. The Allison Bear Crafty Radio Show. So I will just say, uh, if anyone's interested to find out how life with the baby's going, you can go to allisonbear.com. And we're keeping everyone updated on there. So what do you think of this beer? I like it. I think we've tasted this before, and I think we were comparing it to some Belgian-style triples, and I think it didn't do very well, if I remember right. It's possible... But I'm enjoying this. It has it's not well. It's low in carbonation, right? So, so Greg is the guy who loves carbonation. I like things with less. I think this is perfect, really, how it is. I don't think this needs the extra carbonation. It has a nice sweetness, but it finishes dry enough. It um, it's not sticky sweet. There's no cloyingness to it. It it's a good balance on the yeah. on a Belgian triple at 10 percent alcohol. It's uh, it's and the a alcohol, lot. And it's well really, hidden. Yeah, well hidden. Let's talk about what the BJCP says about. Uh, the, the triple style, at least the Belgian triple style. Basically, the aroma uh, is going to be a complex, moderate, significant spiciness, moderate fruity esters, and low alcohol and hop aromas. And I think this really comes through with that. Don't really smell a lot of hops. You do get um, some fruity esters out there. Uh, generous, spicy, peppery, sometimes clove-like phenols. And down to the flavor... Uh, marriage of spicy, fruity, and alcohol flavors supported by soft malt character, low to moderate phenols, and are peppery in character. Esters are reminiscent of citrus fruits such as orange and sometimes lemon. Now, I don't detect a lot of fruitiness here. It's a lot more malt heavy. Uh, there's there's some fruitiness in there. Um, I'm getting more like apples. Maybe grapes. Grapes, yeah, something like that. I'm thinking like a green green apple, not the skin part, but just the apple, getting a little bit of flavors like that. There's some fruity esters in there for sure. Okay, now that I was looking for more, I was trying to figure out the spice, and the um, I think there's a slight bit of spice in there from the Trappist yeast. It kind of blends in with the alcohol. They kind of complement each other, mark down the path there, and they're kind of hard to tell apart from each other. Because you know, now that I'm reading that description, I'm starting to pull out some of those, um, some of the things in there that, that I'm trying to look for. I'm looking for these free and alcohol flavors supported by soft malt. I think this is pretty heavy on the malt. This isn't so soft of a malt. But there are there's definitely the alcohol flavor you're getting in the back, and there's also this kind of fruitiness up front. That, like, like Jeff said, 
soft fruit flavor. Well, this is interesting. They tell you here to store it refrigerated and serve between 40 and 45. I've been storing this in the cellar, and this is an older bottle of beer, but unfortunately I don't see any kind of date markings on it, so I'm not sure exactly how long I've had it. But I think it's uh, weathered the storm well. I think so, too, and I'm sure the wax has helped that. Very nice. So should we talk about Dingo? Dingo hates my podcast. Dingo hate my podcast. We got a interesting comment on our blind show. A lot of people liked it. A lot of people had substantive comments about it, and we're going to try to you know approach that the next time we do a blind episode. But we had a comment from a guy called Dingo who was very, very, how should we put it, negative. Let me see if I can squench this down a bit. I've been listening to this podcast off and on for a few months now and really have struggled with what I think. Sometimes I hear stuff that sounds insightful. Sometimes I hear terribly done interviews that the blind groupies then attribute to the interviewee, not the interviewer. That's kind of harsh. Mostly I hear one guy that really wants to talk about beer, that would be Jeff, another one who wants to be a blowhard contrarian, that would be me, who gets the last word. Uh, but the blind episode really established some clarity for me. You guys are hacks. Hacks, he says. It was hilarious how little you got right. Was there even one that you got right? And the beers that taste good when you don't know what they are, but when you rank them, you hate them again? Wasn't the show actually more like, let me guess what beer I have out of I know out of my fridge? This, oh, this sucks, basically. Essentially, it goes on from there. So let's respond, shall we? Sure, sure. <laughs> uh, I'll let the contrarian blowhard go first. <laughs> like, you know he's on one getting the last word, so he'll Well, say you know, he nailed me. That's absolutely <laughs> right. Uh, I, I'm just happy they didn't say my voice sounded gay. Yes, that's so true. So I'm taking this whole thing as a compliment. He just said that you, you want to talk about beer and I just want to you know, take over the podcast, which I admit there are some weeks where I think that that's actually the case. Uh, or at least, you know, drown out Jeff with uh, ridiculousness. Now, I also think that's good radio. I think that, I think that it's – I think that we talked about this on the post show. But the primary goal of our podcast is entertainment. Otherwise, why would you want to listen to it in the first place? The secondary goal of our podcast is to explore beer styles and to try to educate and get the info out about how, what, what kind of great beer is out there. The third goal of our podcast, I think, is to try to show people all different styles and kind of give them a, a, an idea of what to look for when they're tasting different styles, especially, especially when we go on a style-based like, style podcast like today's. Mm-hmm. I think you entirely missed the point of the blind episode, Dingo. The point of the blind episode was to radically illustrate, like we did, how foreknowledge colors your perception. And there was, that was absolutely the case with the beers that we had. Because when we didn't know what we were drinking, and I think, you can, I think even the best beer expert in the world would have trouble with this. When you don't know what you're drinking, you're not sure what to look for. So you're trying to go through generalities. Particularly with something like a barley wine, where there are specific things to look for in a good barley wine, but if you're thinking maybe hoppy, you think maybe a hoppy beer or something like that, it's a lot harder to pick out those things. I compare it to if you have a glass of soda that you think you're drinking and you accidentally take a sip of milk. The milk, although you may love milk, the milk tastes disgusting because you were expecting to taste that cola. When we get an idea of what the beer actually is, it changes the way we look at the beer because now we know what to look for into the beer because of our experience with tasting beer. 
I also want to clarify that we never said and never wanted to ever imply that we're beer experts. We are fundamentally two guys who do a podcast in Jeff's basement. Right. I have said things like, you know, we want to put out the most informational beer podcast we can, or out there even, but we never claim to be experts. I, I take uh, you know, terribly done interviews. So I, I agree. I am a bad interviewer. I do it because people do like to listen to them. I never pro- profess to think that they were anything more than what they were. I mean, they are what they are, and, right. I, and I don't know how to come off the end of a question, usually with the, um, okay, and an awkward silence, and then I go into the next question. It's horrible. But uh, thanks for really jabbing that knife in. <laughs> but I, I think another important thing is, you know, we've done 100, and we're now at 107 of these, and I, I think we've gotten pretty good at it. I think it's just, and the, at least in our you know, style. You know, there's a couple other parts that really get me here. The, um, you know, have you, did you even get one right? Does he mean one beer by name or one style? Sure, we were off really bad on two beers and their styles. And I think it, like you said, it really brought the point forward where if you don't know what you're looking for. We're trying to adjust the barley wine or, or the barley wine. We're trying to adjust the blind podcast format because we think it did get, get a little guess heavy where we were just tr- trying to guess what it was as opposed to pick out different flavors. But the point of the podcast was not to see how good we are at, at, at picking out and what beer it is. It's really difficult to describe a beer in detail when you don't know what it is. For some reason, the flavors aren't as clear to me and our hack palettes to um, to identify things if we don't know what style it is to set a certain mindset. I think it would be difficult for anybody because, because like we said, foreknowledge colors perception. How you look at what you're tasting very much influences how you taste things. We're not tab of the Rosses here. We're not blind slates on our palettes. We have to come in with some preconception and try to base ourselves around that. That's the way that tasting works. That's the show we try to do. And I'm sorry if you don't like it, Dingo. But he is going to keep listening. But he is going to keep listening, so thanks. <laughs> Can't please all the people all the time. So, most of the people most of the time is all we're aiming for. <laughs> so we, should we try the Bells next? Yeah, let's do this. This beer, never had it before, Bells Sparkling Ale, brewed by Bells Brewery in Comstock, Michigan. I didn't even realize it was a triple. I thought it was, um, when I saw Sparkling Ale, I thought it was going to be a, a golden ale, right. light beer, a refreshing, you know. And then I read the back, and it's like, our take on a glass of bubbly. Sparkling Ale is an American triple, light in color with a subtle fruit body. So it's kind of like... So it might be a light triple. be an interesting take on it. It's the champagne of beers, quote-unquote. The glass of bubbly of beers. Speaking of the champagne of beers... Or not exactly the champagne of beers, but we had a comment either in an email or on the message boards. Someone was talking about the new Michelob commercial. It was one we talked about before where they were at the malting facility, the place uh-huh. that we saw with all the people that we met. But they recut it towards the end and called it crafting a better beer. And the guy's like, I'll oh, talk about macro muck. And, well, I don't want to sound like an apologist. The, the malt guy says something like, you know, if the barley's not perfect, we won't use it or something like that. And, uh, you know, what they got through is, you know, they have all these farmers and they have all these different varieties and they will brew out a variety of hops or a variety of malt only lasts for, they said, 12 years or something like that. And they have to work out these new varieties because they mutate and they don't have the same characters anymore. They have such good quality control through the whole process. It's not like they have to throw out a whole malting room full of grain because, you know, uh, mold took cold or something like that. But, I mean, he said they're saying, you know, they never throw out malt. 
don't know. I'm, just, I'm kind of rambling here. I'm sorry. Is Michelob crafting a better beer than Budweiser? Yes. The Michelob line <laughs> is, is a better crafted beer than Budweiser in terms of what we th- what we think we like in terms of, of craft beer. Right. Uh, he had issue with them stealing the word craft, our word. Right. And um, putting it on their beers. Uh, there's a legitimate side to that because they're like the craft beer association only associate themselves with beer with uh, breweries of a certain mm-hmm. you know size, but the word craft is not is not only applied to that particular one thing in the in the English language. And when you think about it, all beer except for I don't know maybe um, I you know I think Corona, what, I think what we need to take it as is a compliment. Yeah, they have to work craft into their advertising, and you know to give Michelob justice, it's they're doing exactly what I told Vice President of Brewing Operations they need to do. <laughs> so I think my name should be at the end of that commercial, but that's neither or at here least nor maybe there. they can send some money our way. <laughs> but, if only if it's working for them, I guess. Bell's sparkling ale. This guy pours with a snow globe yeast sediment floating all over the thing. At least in my half the glass. Check that out. I got some yeast too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, I, you have more, but I definitely have some suspended in there. It's like all perfectly balanced. It's it's almost like it's in gelatin. It's just sitting there. <laughs> it's a spicier aroma. Yeah, it's a lot more spicy. It smells almost like um, Oberon, actually, from Bell's. You know, they're they're American wheat. You know, you get an American wheat type yeah, flavor on this. Yeah. Or is it? I guess it's more of a Hefeweizen aroma on it. Don't you think there's some bananas and phenols in there? Smells more like a hefe. Greg's staring quizzically at his glass. That was different. Pursing his lips to the side. That's very different. Um, <laughs> hmm. Because wow, how do you how do you describe this? It it threw me for a loop because the brother David was very multi triple with some of that mild fruit, and here you get this really. Kind of brash, up front, strong, apricotty sort of fruitiness that kind of twists into very, very sweet at the end. It's not as dry at the end as, as the Brother David's. Uh, and then the alcohol fusels kind of hit that in mm-hmm. a weird way to, to bring that flavor almost a little bit sweeter. To me, it tastes like there has to be some wheat in there. Doesn't, there's no clues on the bottle whether it has wheat or not, but it... Um, I mean, it tastes. You know, the like, color is this golden color, and it does have kind of a wheat-like aroma to mm-hmm. it. I can see where you come from. I'm getting there. flavor too that you know just reminds me of. Um, it, it tastes like a triple. It tastes, uh, but it seems to have this wheat um, dryness to it, or something like that. This um, there's a slight kind of thing in there where that I don't. It's not quite apricot. I'm trying to figure out what kind of flavor that is. But it hits the alcohol in a weird way, and it's not the most pleasant flavor in the world to me. It only really happens when I breathe over uh, what I just drank, and you have some of that alcohol come out. So it's definitely part of that alcohol contributing to that strange flavor that I find. Yeah, it's just I think it's just the, the alcohol. It has a thinner body than the Brother David, so the Brother, Dave, Brother David's really anchored the flavor in that maltiness. Mm-hmm. This one's thinner, so it gets up higher, and you get... The alcohol is much more apparent, for sure. And I think it corresponds to that. Uh, lots of phenols in this one. This one has flavors reminiscent of um, you know, pepper and clove. It, 
Mm-hmm. Like I said, it smells like a Hefeweizen. While it doesn't taste like a Hefeweizen, there's definitely some memory in there that's kind of yeah. peppery. And I'm, I'm oh, trying yeah. To, a lot trying of pepper cloves a very, very apt descriptor. Uh, maybe, um, maybe anise. I was trying to see if I could taste like pears or bananas, but I really wasn't getting too much anything. There's some there. kind of weird fruitiness there that, like I said, is kind of apricot but it's kind of not. Because apricot is more sweet, and this is more kind of a very sour, overripe apricot. I get what you're at. I, I really don't can't think of any fruit that, that really tastes like. Maybe there's a bit mango of, a bit? Mm, I'm drawing a blank. I am getting a bit of pithiness on it where it tastes a bit like you know orange peel or something like that mm, yes you're right maybe maybe a, a an overripe mango is not a case it, it, it tastes overripe it tastes like it's 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 gone a little bit on the bad side this beer's not that old it's relatively new um batch 8204 <laughs> Which means batch eight hundred two thousand four. Means there's two hundred four batches after batch eight thousand. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean it's it's, it's refreshing. It's, it'd be hard to drink a whole twelve ounces of this one. I yeah, think. it's it's challenging on your tongue and not in in the best way. It's it's kind of like you have to. I don't want to say you want to you, you want to throw it out because it's it's there, there's still good flavors in there. But you kind of have to will yourself to drink some of it. The malt and the alcohol towards the end are dry, chalky almost. You get like a chalky feeling on your tongue after you'd finish it. It feels actually kind of the that fruitness that 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 overripe fruitiness kind of sticks with it for me. It doesn't okay. really end dry. But there are parts about it I really enjoy too, which is strange. Like the the aftertaste kind of hangs around. I'm not a big fan of the aftertaste on this one. It's chalky and dry for me, um, from from the probably from the candy sugar and the high alcohols and stuff like that. But you know, while I'm drinking it, there's this character to it that is. I think it might be if they do put wheat in there. The, the body has a little bit of that wheat texture to it, and that mm. I'm a big fan of wheat beers, and I know you are too. And that kind of that helps it. I think if anything, and there's a nice sweetness right in the flavor too. I think, you know, yeah, for reviewing this beer, I need to keep it really fresh on my palate because the longer I let it sit on my tongue and it gets chalky, yeah. then I find more bad things to say about I it. I absolutely agree so with you. So if I take a sip and talk and take a sip and talk, then I think it's a much <laughs> more enjoyable beer. It, as it sits around, it just it, it's one of those uh, it's one of those beers that gets sticky and sits. And I, see, I wouldn't say sticky. It's chalky. To me, it is. It's, to it's me, thoroughly it's chalky sticky. to me in the, in the aftertaste. To me, there, there's a, it feels like there's a weight on the middle of my tongue. It's just bearing down with this flavor that's not going away. Okay, my last sip was heavy on the yeast, and it tasted more like heavy ice, and I was getting lemons and clove, very lemony flavor on the last uh, sip of mine. But I had a lot more yeast in my glass than you did. So that was nice. Just don't let it hang around too long. (laughs) Interesting take. So our last beer you can only get in Pittsburgh. This is the East End. You can only get it from the brewery. The brewery. <laughs> East End's third anniversary triple. Why not? For your third anniversary, do a triple. Does that mean he's going to do a quad for his fourth anniversary? We'll see. 
I'm actually privy to some privileged information oh. about East End Brewing. Well, don't bother to share that with any of us. I can't. <laughs> That's why it's privileged. <laughs> but it's good news for the brewery. So we're getting these in this big, uh, this big growler, which is kind of like a half gallon, I think. This is a is it one, one and a half liters. It's a swing top refillable bottle. Scott is all about being sustainable. We talked about it a bunch. Scott from East End Brewing. He's the owner and brewer and uh, bottle washer and everything else. Actually, he's not the bottle washer anymore. Oh. He actually has a guy who helps out and cleans kegs. Uh, so he's not doing everything himself anymore. But he loves sustainability. This is like the only brewery that I know that does not have a dumpster. All the throw-out waste from his brewery, he's able to take home and throw out in his own trash. Um, so he's draft-only. And when he bottles things, except for the... Um, he does two different. His gratitude barley wine is meant to be cellared and aged, so he buys 750s and caps them and sells them. But for all his other beers, he uses these refillable swing top bottles. So you pay a deposit, you get the beer in the bottle, and you take the bottle back, and you get your deposit, and he reuses the bottles for the next special brew that he does. The only way you can get his beer is by going to a bar and getting it in a growler if you want to take it home. Yeah, if you want to take it home, you have to get it at East End Brewing during growler hours, or some bars will fill growlers for him, too. So this is kind of a again another more orange, uh, le- le- a lemony orange maybe color. This one's, this I would call this one golden, rich gold. Where does it fit on the color scale? It is uh, a nine nine RSRMs. I would say it's actually more like eight. I think it matches eight. I think it matches eight pretty well. No nope, nine. <laughs> Jeff made his decision. I'm going to be contrarian blowhard. <laughs> yeah, I thought I was a contrarian blowhard. Come on, you're taking my thing. <laughs> you got nothing left to live for. <laughs> so I'm trying to get Haroma here, and I'm not getting a lot. Oh, there we go. Kind of getting a little bit of maybe a lemony. I was just going to say, if I'm getting anything out of the aroma, I'm getting some lemon flavor. Or lemon smell. It's got a really full body. Really mm-hmm. full. A nice, subdued carbonation. There's some citrusy flavors around the corners. Trying to see if there's any really hot bitterness I can detect. Maybe a slight bit. There's this interesting, late in the aftertaste. I hesitate to say it because you're going to think it, because it's going to sound like a spoiled flavor. But I actually got a hint of like blue cheese. Blue cheese? It doesn't taste sour or lactic or anything, but I just got this hint of something that was this creamy tart cheese or something like that. Memory is a strange thing. Yeah. I, I don't detect that. <laughs> I am getting uh, so some... So the sense of taste. Yes, I am getting some, some pepperiness. And... Okay, now I got a lot more phenols and... Phenols being... Pepperiness flavor, right? That, that that sip actually tasted sweet, like really sweet, like too sweet, too sweet, too sweet. I'm gonna rinse off my tongue here a little mm. bit with some water. I just got that too. I got that same thing, like a little oversweet. Um, and you know what I just got? What's that? <laughs> Saltiness. 
Saltiness, like the blue cheese. Maybe, and I think <laughs> I, I think that's related to the alcohol and the phenols mm-hmm. in the back. I think that's what's causing that kind of sensation. The, um, you know, a weird. You know, it, it reminds my tongue of saltiness, but it's okay. not because it, it's not actually salty. There's no salt in it that I know of. No. Well, I mean, there are salts in it, but there's no. <laughs> <laughs> there's no sodium, sodium chloride <laughs> added for right. flavor. Very interesting. So, you know, this was the first time he ever brewed a Belgian triple. The only time he's brewed a Belgian triple. Other than the American. Or the, he did the ugly American. Never mind. He did the... But that was the, not a Belgian style. That was an American style. Well, well that it was, was an American hopped triple. Belgian triple. Right. So, a Belgian triple IPA, some people call it. So, I think he could go a little less on the sweetness with, with uh, this one. I think it's interesting... Um, Maybe his yeast quit working, you know. He, you know, this batch was a third anniversary. You know, a lot of stuff at East End is fly by the seat of your pants, see what you can do. And right. Usually it works out, but maybe his yeast stopped working on him. You know, that could always be the case, too. I'm not sure which yeast he used. I would think he bought some kind of Abbey yeast for this, but he might have actually tried to use his Whitbeer yeast. I don't think that would have worked very well, so I doubt that he did. Now, I've been guilty of saying this incorrectly a lot, but candy sugar that's added to Belgian beers is not to make it sweeter right yeah we got actually got a comment on this past week someone's listening to some older shows and i always have to stop and try to convince greg that the candy sugar ferments out completely right so you get higher alcohol same amount of body and it does to me at least some artifacts in there the the alcohol itself is thinner and sharper and um kind of like what we got out of the bells actually Mm mm-hmm of some of that, and um, where it leaves this chalky, dry aftertaste. So, like this one, no chalky, dry aftertaste. Now, I hate to be a blowhard contrarian, but I always do feel like Belgians are sweeter than most other beers. There's tons and tons of malt in there, and that's probably why they taste sweeter. But they do end with, to me, a relative dryness a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. And it, it's because of that thin alcohol that, you know... I need to go back and read up on exactly why the alcohol is different when it's fermented from sugar. As Actually, the alcohol is probably the same. It's probably just the residuals that are left in there. There's Wow. That's the whole thing. we yeah. got to get Tom Schmidlin here to talk about uh, yeast. Oh. Yeah. Guess what? Tom Schmidlin, you're not special anymore. <laughs> well, you're still special. Huh? Okay, but the new current beer drinker of the year. Listen to Craft Beer Radio. Matt Vensky, and we want to thank him for, uh, for appreciating our show and you know, writing us And in. congratulations think, yourself for, for becoming Beer Drinker of the Year. And uh, we hope that you, I hope, you're pronounc- I hope we're pronouncing your name right. And uh, we hope, that, hope to hear from you soon, and maybe you can uh, call in, do a little interview with you like we do with Tom. Yeah, that'd be cool. Two out of three beer drinker of the years prefer craft beer radio over the the other leading the next leading brand. How well, we it? don't know if they they might listen to other yeah. podcasts. We never, <laughs> never asked that. I know. So two out of three beer drinkers of the years the last three years prefer craft beer radio over nothing. <laughs> over dentist recommended toothpaste. <laughs> over crest. Wouldn't you hate to be that fourth dentist out of five? <laughs> <laughs> the guy's like, no, you know what? I'm <laughs> more of a Colgate guy. <laughs> Toothpaste is a hoax. <laughs> That's right. 
So now I've had a couple more sips of of Scott's uh, of East End Brewing's uh, three triple, and uh, it doesn't taste that overly sweet anymore. I, I lost that. There's like a little thin layer in that beer that was like syrupy and murky, and once we drank past that, it. I think that's one of the things that we can say. Off you often occurs with beer is that the getting past those initial sips is an important part of est- kind of training your tongue to taste the beer. Is it, or is it making your tongue? Mute to flavors you might not I care think that's for. An, that's just another way to put it. it okay, that's a more <laughs> polite way to put it, if, you, if anything. Uh, I, I think that it is muting your tongue to certain flavors. You know, the body naturally mutes itself to things that uh, that it gets too much of. You can find this in um, if you if you listen to a sound all the time, like one one sound in particular hurts, you won't hear it after a while. Right. Your body will, you know, take yeah, it flavor you'll. You won't. You'll get. You block out a flavor. Color. Your eyes will stop absorbing certain. You know. You won't see color as brightly as you would at one point. So maybe that's it. So I think it's time to rank. And I think the rank is pretty straightforward this time. Yeah, I don't have to ponder it too often. I, I'll go first. Uh, Brother Davis Triple definitely wins for me from Anderson Valley. Uh, I really like the maltiness that comes out of it. Uh, not oxidized at all, thanks to the wax, even though maybe it wasn't stored exactly correctly. Uh, and if really, anything, uh, you know, we didn't like it before. If if I remember right, and we didn't like it before, then maybe the age helped it out maybe, some. I don't know. Uh, just really very enjoyable. The most enjoyable beer of the night. Really didn't have any any flaws that I can think of. And and you're not going to find a beer that hides ten percent alcohol. That well yeah. in very many places. You know, very many different beers don't do it that well. So next I'd go with East End. Uh, I just think that once you get past those initial l- little sweet, uh, it's a nice n- nice attempt by Scott. Uh, you know, we'll try something new always, and that's the great thing about his brewery is he tries things like, hey, let's do a kvass. I <laughs> love this kvass. Man, I wish you guys could have tasted that. And uh, last would be the Bells. Just because it really had some funky flavors in there that didn't quite fit. Yeah. Okay. So I agree with you. The Brother Davis triple was a nice, solid triple. I liked it a lot. I'll put that number one. For number two, I was thinking Scott, and then I'm thinking Bells. And because there was portions I didn't like about each one, so i got to see who wins this battle. Um, Scott's, there's that sweetness for a couple of sips that really killed me. I mean, it really, hmm. really killed me. And then for the bell, I'm thinking, okay, so the bells is better. But then there's that really, that chalky dryness I really didn't care for at the end. So which one do I, which one of those things is less, you know, is less important? See, to me, if you ask me, the thing is, I would drink the East End again, and I wouldn't really drink the Sparkling Ale again, unless, you know, I, well, I'd try it again if someone said, hey, man, you got to try this, it's right. better or something. So I think I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to put the East End number two uh, by a slight margin over the bells. Because um, they both had things that were a bit off for me that you know I didn't care for, but in general they, yeah, I'll just put it that way. I keep rambling tonight. I'm very rambly tonight. I'm sorry about that. You should try being a blowhard contrarian more. It's a lot easier. I should. Yeah. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening to Craft Beer Radio, episode 107. Mm-hmm. We'll be back sometime soon with another episode of Craft Beer Radio. <laughs>
That's all for Craft Beer Radio. You can send us feedback to beer at craftbeerradio.com and feel free to send us an audio comment in MP3. The opening and closing music was Out of Towners from the band St. Dragon and was found on the Podsafe Music Network, music.podshow.com. Craft Beer Radio is released under the Creative Commons license. Check out craftbeerradio.com for more information.